0: Amen. Hey, go ahead and turn to your workbook. Take a look at the top of the page there where it says Scientology. That's all we're going to do. That's right. We're in our study world religions, cults, and the occult. Number 12. And what's the tagline for this study? They really are. They're not science. They're not ology ortology, whatever you want to say, guy. They are what? Science fiction. Occult, Okay, and we're going to see some of his science fiction works, uh, Lord willing, tonight. He could tell a good story, but boy, he made a religion out of it, and he mingled it with the occult. But that's what we're doing. We're taking a look at the history. Where does this stuff come from? That was the history part, and we say it started with a guy named L. Ron Hubbard, okay? And early on in his life, when he was a teenager, he got hooked into the occult, specifically Alistair Crowley, hooked in with another guy who founded the JPL Laboratories Parsons, and they're doing the occult rituals. So basically, in a nutshell, there is absolute proof that Scientology has its... It's roots and teachings straight out of the occult. Then he wrote the book, the big milestone book, Dianetics, right, was the big thing. Basically, their version, if you will, Scientology's Bible, if you will. They elevate all his teachings, all his audio recordings, and we'll see tonight even his music recordings. Woohoo! But he was... A... And so Dianus, we saw that where we've been going is he, man, when he first came out with that thing, whoo, took off like a rocket there, right? But then all of a sudden, here came the complaints. And man, he hit rock bottom, right? But then now, basically all the way up to his death. And still to this day, as the premise and the pushing of Scientology, nobody's ever gonna take this away from us again, our money-making thing. And so that's when they begin to give birth to Scientology. He turned it into a religion, and he began to grab control. And then we saw last time, he basically, developed his own military force and he developed what was called the guardian office. We're going to get into that in greater detail tonight. He also, his uh, RPF or rehabilitation project force, basically anybody gets out of line, you go send them to these guys. They're going to brainwash them, threaten them. It's like a camp. It's like a gulag, literally still in existence today, by the way. And basically his sea org, remember he was on the land for about eight years, I think on the, in the seas and these boats that he bought. Because countries, everybody was after him. okay? Well, they they spiritualized it. Now the Sea Org is their elite military who had to sign a contract for how long? That's right, not a million, but a billion years. And they had to pay something like, what was it? 168 bucks a month <laughs> he found a way to make money off of his so-called military but anyway so uh, we're gonna see that tonight out of the Sea Org okay but before we get there again open to the book of Jude and let's take a look at another characteristics what we saw last week but another characteristics of false teachers what are they gonna what do they like what are these people like what can we expect when you're dealing with a false teacher like Scientology and certainly unfortunately L Ron Hubbard right Jude uh, can anybody guess what chapter we'll read Rhymes with one. If you find Jude chapter four, what do you do? There you go, Debbie. That's right. You, you spit it up, right? It's, it's not there. But anyway, Jude, let's take a look there. And uh, let's take a look at what is going on here. Uh, let's start with verse five. Though you already know this. He says, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep the position of authority but abandoned their own home, these he's kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. That was the Nephilim issue we saw before in different studies. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns uh, gave themselves up to sexual morality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who what? Sodom and Gomorrah. Does God uh, say that that's uh, celebrated behavior, acceptable behavior? No, what's he saying? They're going to suffer punishment of eternal fire, right? In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies. They reject authority. They slander celestial beings. But, but even the archangel Michael, man, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, he didn't dare bring a slanderous accusation against him. But he said, hey, the Lord rebuke you. But these, men, phew, man. They speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. Remember Hubbard's? We haven't even gotten into that in greater detail. Hubbard, wait till you hear his view on Jesus Christ. We've, I've given you a couple of them already. Total blasphemy, right? Remember that Jesus was a lover of boys and things, dude, you're, whoa, this is just like what Jude's saying. You, are you serious? Right? But these, they speak abusively against whatever they don't understand and what things they do understand by instinct like unreasoning animals. They are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them, right? They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed in for what? Profit. So what's the motivating factor, again, of false teachers? Cash, right? Exactly what we're going to see again tonight. Into Balaam's air, They've destroyed, uh, been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. Their clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit, uprooted twice dead. Their wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved for how long? Forever. Some of you guys would say it's not a good ending for uh, false teachers, slightly. Okay, and we're going to see that if we get that far with L. Ron Hubbard. It certainly didn't end the way Scientology wants to say it ends, they spiritualize it, that's not the case, okay, but now let's continue to pick off, we left off where, the Sea Org, right, so basically he's been on the Sea Org, he's basically been on the land, on the ocean, with the Sea Org, for about eight years, if I recall uh, correctly, but he finally hits land, right, and that's where he goes into Florida, right, but in Florida there, he hits land, they still have a big giant headquarters there, Right? Also in L.A. and other places. But Florida still has a really big one there. But then from there, he didn't stop there. He's still on the lamb. So he basically goes on the lamb, avoiding people on the ocean. Now he's on the lamb, on the lamb. Say that five times real fast. But, uh, uh, and that's where we saw last time, right? So he's in Florida, but he goes from Florida. He immediately goes to Washington, D.C. Six months later, he goes to Culver City, California. And then it's at this point when he really starts to focus, because he's still on the land. That has not stopped. And so he really starts to bring it down even harder with this guardian's office. Okay, now, and the guardian's office basically was their hit List Anybody who disagreed, who said anything negative about them, who said they had bad records on Scientology or Elon Hubbard, they're going after you. They're not only going to steal the documents. They're not going to do, uh, they're going after the people. They will set them up. They will friend. This is the guardian's office, okay? He believed that Scientology was being attacked by people who were trying to take over the world. And of course, that was the story that he told people. Remember the video we saw last week with the guy who worked for them? Obviously, later he found out he was being duped. But he went in and did illegal activity. He went in and destroyed the evidence. Remember that big giant database of stuff stuff that they had got on politicians and people basically to blackmail them in case you ever do anything wrong? He went in there and destroyed all the evidence when they were coming to raid. Why? Because he thought that Scientologists existed to save the planet and that there was a conspiracy to keep these people from bringing this information to the world. That's what L. Ron Hubbard drilled into these people's heads, right? We're here to save the planet. Those people out there are trying to keep you from achieving clear and you know having full potential and stuff. But basically, now we're into 1973, and he, he launched something called the Snow White Program. Right, the Snow White Program. Let's take a look at what that thing was all about.
1: What was Operation Snow White? You can turn back now, or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Here are the facts. No government is entirely secure. Regardless of how closely secrets are kept, outside forces will inevitably attempt to influence any state. The United States is no different. Usually the spies are coming from foreign powers, but what if one of the largest infiltrations in US history didn't come from another government at all, but a church? Is it possible that Scientologists really compromised the United States? Here's where it gets crazy. Yes, at least according to US courts, In 1977, a man named Michael Meisner contacted the FBI claiming he'd escaped from captivity and had evidence of criminal actions by Scientologists. This led to the 1978 case of the U.S. vs. Mary Sue Hubbard et al., where D.C.'s District Court found 11 people guilty of a conspiracy to steal, purloin, and convert to their own use records from the U.S. government. These weren't deep cover KGB agents either. Instead, these were members of a Church of Scientology group called the Guardian's Office. According to the church's critics, these conspirators were carrying out Operation Snow White, a directive meant to combat negative views of Scientology. In Fair Game, Secrecy, Security, and the Church of Scientology in Cold War America, author Hugh B. Urban claims that the operation illegally stole documents from the IRS, the DEA, and more in an attempt to cover up criminal activity and also infiltrated other governments around the world. The sweeping nature of this conspiracy, also including the Coast Guard, the American Medical Association, and more, stunned the feds and spurred further investigation. Today, the church maintains that its critics are mischaracterizing the story. That while church founder L. Ron Hubbard did write about a Snow White program, it was meant only to legally address falsities about Scientology. The church notes that while some members of the Guardian's office committed crimes, they were not acting under orders of Scientology, and the Guardian's office has since been disbanded. Operation Snow White, they say, never really existed.
0: That is a huge lie. As we're going to see, it is common knowledge that there was Operation Snow White, common knowledge that L. Ron Hubbard was behind the thing, and this is the tip of the iceberg of the programs. But basically, everybody's worried about Russian collusion, all that baloney, right? What about this? These guys actually infiltrated our own government, a multitude of departments, went in there, stole, blackmailed, did all kinds of stuff, and what blows me away, and still in 1993, they get their IRS tax status. What? What? Hey, oh, and by the way, one of the people that they invaded, I'll get to in a second, was the IRS. So my theory is, you must have got something on somebody. Because, and I'm, I'm, wait till we get into it. But this is a lie. They want to say, oh no, it never existed, and, and that wasn't true. That, that's a lie. Okay, and they want to say, well, the guardian's office, it doesn't even, doesn't even exist. Well, that's true. You know why? Because they changed the name. It's now called the Office of Special Affairs, right? In other words, the OSA is what they call it, and it's still in existence today. All they did was change the name, right? It's absolutely crazy. The OSA, quote, is responsible for directing legal affairs, public relations, and pursuing investigations against, guess who? Scientology. It's the exact same thing. All they did was change the name, right? Some observers outside Scientology have characterized this department as an intelligence agency, comparing it to the CIA or KGB. But this is what? What are we talking about here? Scientology. Yeah, and it's supposed to be a church, You're using our term. And it is, and I quote, you say it doesn't exist. And I quote, OSA is the successor to the now defunct Guardian's office, which was responsible for Operation Snow White. Oh, and by the way, both of them are uh, indicated in Scientology's organizational chart. But yet, this one didn't ever exist. It's it's crazy, okay? But let me get an idea. What was this program? Because, again, they have multitude of programs. I can't get into them all. There's way too many, okay? But what was this Snow White program? Did Scientology, literally, because L. Ron Hubbard was never going to let somebody take this away. And he developed this military force in this guardian office, which came to OSA, basically his own version of, I don't even say CIA. It's KGB, man, okay? But did he really infiltrate our government? Yeah, Okay, and wait to hear how many agents he had in our government. It's great. And if you don't think it's still going on today, I got some swamp land It's a service. I'm going to sell you. Okay. Listen to this. The Snow White Program was directed by the GO or Guardian's Office, right? And uh, to track down anybody, anything negative about Scientology or what they, they, they call them LRH right L. Ron Hubbard right and uh, but it was ordered to get all false and secret files on Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard that listen that cannot be obtained legally then guess what and I quote by all possible lines of approach ie like job penetration janitor penetration suitable disguises and, and guises and utilizing covers these people purposely got jobs into our government purposely to spy on our government that was spying on them This is well-documented, all-documented, and again, I still think it goes on today. But L. Ron Hubbard's involvement was concealed, right? Everybody including well, not everybody, a lot of the top dogs, including his wife, third wife, okay, who was put, he put her in charge of it. I think it's a setup, okay? Uh, But they basically, ultimately, they go to jail, right? They eventually get prosecuted, but he gets away with it, right? And uh, because... The whole thing was set up on code names. And I'm going to read, Lord willing, a whole bunch of them to you, okay, and give you some examples. But that's basically how he got out of it. He, the whole time, just like he's getting reports about how much cash we're making, all the statistics, all that stuff, he is guarding and he is guiding the guardian's office. He is the one launching these programs, but he got away with it. Because, and, the, and his people, including his wife, took the hit for him, right? But let's take a look, okay? Uh, members of the, the guardians office infiltrated and burglarized. They didn't just get in there and sneak stuff. They stole stuff from the U.S. If you and I stole something from the U.S. government, what's going to happen? Right? And then let's say later we decide to apply for IRS tax-exempt status. Do you think they're going to pass it? How did these guys get it? Oh, and I'm just getting started. Wait to hear what they did, right? But they, they stole, they burglarized, including, listen, the U.S. Department of Justice, and again, even the IRS itself, right? And so basically, uh, they, they they eventually get caught, and then they do a raid uh, down in uh, L.A. and some other places there, and they, they found not only burglary tools of the Scientologists who were doing this, uh, wiretap equipment, they were bugging the U.S., if you and I bugged the U.S. offices, the government offices, what would happen to us, right? Oh, and then if later we went and applied for IRS tax exempt status, do you think we'd ever get it? how did these guys get it? Oh, I'm just I'm telling you, I'm just getting started, right? And they found 90,000 pages of incriminating documents proving that this is really what they were doing, okay? And again, Hubbard got away with it, okay? Uh, eventually, uh, payday came though. And I'd say that was from God. But anyway, this project included, this is just, this is just Operation Snow White. just is one. And there's tons of them, right? Operation Snow White included a series of infiltrations and thefts. Listen, not just the Department of Justice, not just the U.S. Uh, or, or the IRS, but listen to this, 136 government agencies Okay, including even outside the U.S., foreign agencies, consulates, embassies, as well as private organizations. Anybody critical of Scientology, and they did it in over 30 countries. This is Operation Snow White. Now, do you think somebody desperately didn't want to lose this again? And when I said he created his own military force and secret intelligence agency and KGB and the whole nine years, He did. And that's still in existence today. That's why a lot of people. That's why a lot of people applaud Leah Remini for what she's doing. But I think she's so high up and so elevated, you can't take her down, and you're going to get caught. Now, if it was a Joe Schmo like you and I, they'd be coming after us big time. Okay. But anyway, let's continue on. And again, the case eventually went to court. The case was United States versus Mary Sue Hubbard, which was his third wife. Okay, and again, how in the world you got tax exempt status is beyond me. But anyway, as early as 1960, okay, in 1960, L. Ron Hubbard proposed that Scientologists should infiltrate the government departments by taking secretarial bodyguard or other jobs. So he proposed we have to get a mesh into the government. It's on record, okay? Uh, They got turned down by the FDA, because again, they got these things that are supposed to cure you and all the other stuff with Dianetics and stuff. They got turned down by the Food and Drug Administration in 1963. So in 1966, That's when he begins to create this guardian's office thing, okay? And we're going to get it back, right? So if the government wants to come and shoot us down and not let us do this and perpetrate this, we're going after the government, and that's what he did, okay? The guardian's office, they were in L.A., some were in Washington, D.C., other states, uh, cities around the world, Uh, and and, uh, uh, Hubbard oversaw the whole thing, though again, he gave his wife the title, quote, Commodore Staff Guardian. I personally think... He did it on purpose so that if everything went down. This is his track record, okay, as that motorcycle can attest, right? He just hightailed it out of here just like that, right? So, hey, you got to work with what you, it's live. What are you going to do? So, <laughs> Anyway, so he set her up. I really think personally, right? And, and guess what? She did. Unfortunately, she was the fall guy. So in 1973, they begin this. They're going around the world, okay? And it's not just listen in the United States. Let me just give you one other huge organization that these guys went and infiltrated. Okay? How many guys have ever heard this inter, uh, 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 organization? Interpol. Uh, kind of a big organization, yeah. And basically, Interpol is the International Criminal Police Organization, right? And, and it involves, guess what? It keeps database on records of criminals in 192 countries. They even go to these guys, right? And begin to innovate uh, Interpol. This guy wanted to find anybody, anybody who smelled dirt, right? Because remember, he's on the land the whole time. And and they want to spiritualize him being on the land. See, see he was... He was floating around on that boat, the Sea Org, because he was developing the new OT levels. Remember, we saw that last time. Are you kidding? The guy's out there. Yeah, he did do that. But he's out there avoiding getting arrested, right? Now he's back on the land, and he's out there spending time being able to help and provide more information for you and I to achieve this greater state as well as write his science fiction books. No, he's he's on the land. On the land this time. That's all it is. But they spiritualize it. Right? So there, he's going after all this stuff. The Interpol, listen to this, it is the databases assist law enforcement in fighting international crimes, listen, contract criminals and crime trends around the world, specifically by means of collections of fingerprints, face photos, lists of wanted persons, DNA samples, and travel documents. Okay? So basically, that's a whole other subset issue. That's... In today's world nobody ain't going nowhere everybody's got a file you do something they're going to find you from a country you're not going to escape by and large okay but anyway that's one thing to have that in existence and that's existence it's common knowledge public knowledge but they break into these guys on top of our government absolutely crazy but this is what he did with the guardian's office that's what it means okay and again it's called the osa today but basically he goes into there finding anything now Hubbard said, when they started to come in here, he got away. Although, uh, as far as he got was this title. That he was considered an unindicted co-conspirator. That's it. Right? They couldn't really name it. He's using these code names. He put his wife up at the headquarters over it, and basically, uh, he was saying that, oh, oh, yeah, we. I did talk about a Snow White thing, but when I talked about it, I meant it by doing legal way. You liar, right? And that's really what was going on. And he said, quote, it was misinterpreted by his followers. So he threw everybody under the bus, including his wife, when it came down. But listen, again, they, they, they infiltrated the Drug Enforcement Administration, the U.S. Coast Guard, the National Institute of Mental Health, the American Medical Association. Remember, because this is supposed to be a cure for cancer, too? Remember that back in the video? Where you, the reason why that you got problems with your teeth is because you were a clam a billion years ago. Remember that one? And the guy made it up when he was on a drug trip? I wish I was making it up. Anyway, but also he had an incentive. It wasn't just these guys did it. He baited people into do this. Because listen, he would give out rewards to these people. His agents got rewards for doing this Okay, and it was given for successful missions carried out by Scientologists. Okay, right, and the programs planned by the Guardians Office were not restricted from just listen removing false reports, but it included plans to falsify information as well. Right, Uh, one was called Operation Cat, and that whole thing, that plan, was to hold up the American security to ridicule. So they purposely would go in with our security systems. And so if any of our American security systems had something bad to say about Scientology, the rumor was out, well, you can't trust what they say. So he's working from both angles, right? I'm going to take anything I can that you have a file on me. I'm going to rob it. I'm going to steal. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to erase it. I'm going to get rid of it. Oh, by the way, I'm going to undermine you too, just in case I miss something. This really went on, okay? Now, uh, it was two, two, there was a lot of people, as I'll get to the, I'm holding out the number, wait till you hear the number of people involved in this. right? But two big guys, uh, Gerald Wolf and Michael Meisner, you heard the one on the video there. Here's how they got into it, right? They gained employment by the IRS as clerk typists. So that's how they got in. I, uh, I've always wanted to work for the IRS. Type and stuff. Yeah, right. Anyway, so they're there, and while they're there, they're monitoring files on the tax-exempt organization. Of course, guess who? Scientology, who's trying to get their tax-exempt status, right? In uh, 1974, Operation Snow White takes an unexpected turn because they saw that the IRS was going to conduct a meeting on Scientology and their tax-exempt status. So in response, you know what they did? And I quote, they sent a spy to bug the room. They bugged the IRS. Right, which was picked up by recordings by Scientologists sitting in a car in the parking lot of the Smithsonian, which faced the office, and they tape recorded it and sent it to headquarters in L.A. And somehow in 1993, and this is all out, you got your tax exempt status. Somebody has some, well, somebody somewhere. Because there's no way that should ever happen, right? right? So then they go, and of course, they steal tons and tons of documents and things of that nature. Uh, they break into a, another office. This is just these two guys. Barbara Bird, she's an attorney in the IRS uh, Refund Litigation Service. They, and, and, and instead of stealing the files, <clears throat> Wolf, quote, took them to a copier and made photocopies using government paper. Yeah, not very secure, whatever. Anyway, so then it goes even further. It goes into uh, another uh, lady. She got into, she found employment with the U.S. Coast Guard Intelligence Agency. Now, why would they get involved in there? Who was out in the boats, is my guess? Coast Guard. So you want to see, what's the Coast Guard got on us? Because we're out there with our Sea Org. and all that stuff, right? Then another person, Nancy Douglas, she goes and she gets involved in the Drug Enforcement uh, Administration, the DEA. Uh, They're stealing documents there too. both of them, photocopies, they they transmit them back to headquarters. And uh, and then uh, attention gets back to Mary Sue Hubbard who was given the title of basically heading this up, although it was really L. Ron Hubbard. And uh, she gave an instruction because now it's coming up, they're going to talk to us about our tax-exempt status. Uh, status to quote, use any method at our disposal to win the battle and gain our nonprofit tax status, right? So she got caught with the, those kind of things. And again, they, they had all kinds of different ways that they would go in there. They broke into the United States courthouse. They stole keys to the office of the assistant the United States attorney. They took the keys, had them duplicated, returned them unnoticed. They stole more documents, documents and forwarded those to LA as well. Oh, and I'm just getting started still. And yet you got tax exempt status in 1993. If you, it's It's absolutely mind-blowing, right? What these guys are doing. And they're, oh, by the way, they still do this stuff today. They just don't call the guardian's office. Okay, it's still the same thing, right? Now, let's get to the trial. So basically, finally, the FBI catches up to them, right? And uh, made some slip-ups there. And uh, so then they they made the the FBI raids uh, Scientology locations in L.A., Hollywood, and Washington, D.C. The L.A. raid, listen, involved 156 FBI agents, quote, the most that had ever been used in a single raid, right? It lasted 21 hours. They filled a 16-ton truck with documents and other items, Okay, And the raids not only turned up documents on their illegal activities against the United States government, but illegal activities against perceived enemies of Scientology. One that I will get to in a little bit uh, and show you how they went after people uh, as well, not just governments, including our own. But uh, they had an operation called Operation Freakout. I'll get to that in just a little bit. But in 1978, so they make this raid, 1978, members of Scientology, of course, were indicted on multiple charges. Over the course of the investigation, Scientology, uh, on top of you got caught red-handed. They've got a 16-ton truck full of evidence, right? Not a Tonka truck, a 16-ton truck. Full of evidence, right? We got you red-handed, man. Multiple stuff, right? They still, during the court case, listen to how persistent they are. They attempted to have a judge removed. They subpoenaed, this is Scientology, they subpoenaed almost 150 federal agents in what appeared to be a, quote, large stalling scheme. And they also offered several shifting explanations for their account, right? So even then, while they're being prosecuted, they're still trying to undermine the whole thing, etc. So eventually, they go to a plea deal. Uh, five Scientologists were sent to four years in jail. Mary uh, Sue Hubbard, the wife of Elrond Hubbard, was sentenced to five years, and then two remaining uh, Scientologists got six years. Okay, but let me go back to show you. That's just the government, right? Let me show you how they went after, and dare I say, I really believe they still do this today. And this is common public knowledge, okay? This is that operation when I called to you. This, and this is their name. Remember, he used code names, right? And this one was called Operation Freakout. And why it was called Freakout, I don't know why, but they were freaking out over a lady named Paulette Cooper. Paulette Cooper wrote a book against Scientology, okay? And uh, in 1971, <clears throat> it was called The Scandal of Scientology, right? And the FBI right when they go and invade and got all the 16 ton truck of evidence and stuff right they discovered the plot against this lady right called operation freakout Okay, and it was by the guardian's office. Now, listen to what they did. Listen to the tactics that these people use. Not only you went and invaded Interpol, other countries around the world, I mean, got to all of them, the United States government, but listen to what you would do to the individual. Listen to how deceptive, how dishonest these people are, right? How conniving. They, 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 Operation Freakout, just because she wrote a book against them, that they, they had to do whatever they had to do so that she could be, quote, handled. And they ordered subordinates, Scientologists, to quote, attack her in as many ways as possible and to undertake wide scale exposure of her sex life that was called Operation Daniel. Uh, she countersues and all that stuff, but they begin to step up pressure even way, uh, even more. They, they harassed her, Listen, they, for, they, put, they painted her name and phone number on street walls so that she would receive obscene phone calls. That's like in high school or something. You know? It's crazy stuff, right? Uh, they subscribed her to a pornographic mailing list. She also received anonymous death threats and her neighbors received letters claiming that she had venereal disease. <laughs> I mean, they're doing any—they're throwing anything at this lady just because she wrote a book against him. And what, what did Hubbard say? With litigation, keep doing it, and eventually what? People just, they, they can't handle it. They back off. Well, even with these tactics, this isn't litigation. This is harassment, right? And it's the same thing, just to get them to back off. Same tactics, right? The church landed uh, another uh, attack. Now listen to this. They called this one Operation Dynamite. Still dealing with the same lady. She had several operations against her. And listen to what they did. <clears throat> they had a woman acted like she was soliciting funds for United Farm Workers at, at uh, Cooper's apartment well when she's in Cooper's apartment she steals some of Cooper's stationery personal stationery right so then a few days later the New York Scientology place uh, all of a, all of a sudden uh, got two anonymous bomb threats and guess what they were written on on her uh, a paper on her then. So they actually, initially, they, they go after Cooper, the course right? And she was indicted for making bomb threats and arraigned for a federal grand jury, right? Because it was written on her stationery and had her fingerprints on it. The whole thing's just set up, right? The charges were eventually dropped in 1975, but then they, they, they just won't quit. And they, they sued her again. It, 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 oh, and this, this is trying to find anything. They sued her in the United Kingdom uh, they sued her, again, in the United States. They sued her even Australia, just trying to find a court, somebody that would take our side. Just because this lady wrote a book against them. And this is just one example, right? Uh, oh, and then also the church Scientology imported Cooper's books into foreign countries for the express purpose of suing her in jurisdictions where libel laws were stricter than the U.S. They tried to set her up on that. And it's still, it's still crazy. For and then, listen, that still wasn't enough. Then they had another operation to, quote, get PC, her name was Paulette Cooper, get PC incarcerated in a mental institution or jail, or at least hit her so hard that she drops her attacks. That's a direct quote. And what they did is, guess what? Her descent was Jewish. It was a Jewish lady, right? So they went after her Jewish heritage. And listen to these three plans. This is another operation thing. Operation. And said, first, they were going to have a woman imitate paulette cooper's voice and make telephone threats to arab consulates in new york city two they were going to uh, a threat a threatening letter was going to be mailed to the arab consulate in such a fashion that would appear to have been done by paulette cooper again arab consulate she's a jewish person right all right. Three, a Scientologist volunteer was to impersonate Paulette Cooper at a laundromat and threaten the current president at that time, Gerald Ford, and then Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, and then a second Scientologist would therefore, uh, thereafter, inform the IR, uh, FBI of the threat. Total setup, okay? Man, you thought ISIS was mad. <laughs> Everybody's worried about Russian collusion. What about Scientology? This is crazy. And it still goes on today. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second there. But I, but I, I wonder. Let me get to there in a second. I wonder, and that's why you got to applaud not only people like Paulette Cooper because how many would have cracked by now, right? But uh, Leah, again, back to Leah Remini. I don't know where she's at. I, I don't I don't know that she's a Christian. I hope hope she's come to Christ now. If not, pray for her, please. But but it takes a lot of bravery because right? these people I guarantee you, they're doing the same thing to her but anyway then the fourth plan called for Scientology's agents to gather information on Cooper okay uh, e- even more in case the other first three didn't work then they were going to warn an Arab consulate by telephone that Paul Cooper had been talking about bombing it okay and and, and then they were going to obtain Paul Cooper's fingerprints again on a blank piece of paper and write a threatening letter to Kissinger and then mail it off to that just all this going on imagine The pressure, right? Then it got even to this. It came out. A secret meeting was held by the guardian's office and that they uh, were discussing the assassination of Cooper. In case all this doesn't get her to back off, we will kill her. Absolutely crazy. Now, to get that point, Cooper discontinued her legal actions against Scientology in 1985 after receiving an out-of-court settlement. So I don't know. They finally hit the big number or whatever, or who knows, or a combination of both. I've had it. I mean, this is year after year, after year, after year, after year. All because you wrote a book against them. Now, I don't have time to go into all these, but I'm just gonna give you a small list of different ways that they went after Peter. Remember, it's all code names. This is how Hubbard was able to get in the background. But these are just some of the operations. Operation Big Mouth, Bulldozer Leak, Operation Bunny Bus, Operation Cat, we talked about that, Chaos Leak, China Shop, Cutthroat, Daniel, Dynamite, Devil's Wap, Fickle, Freakout, Out, Funny Bone, Hydra, yeah, Operation Hydra. Uh, information, Italian Fog, Juicy Clanger, Keeler, uh, Kettle, Oscar, Orange Juice, Pears, Paste Up, Random Harvest, Rook, Search and Destroy, Shake and Bake, Shell Game, Smoke, Snapper, Sore Throat, Strike, Operation Yellow. Then they also had not just operation, they had programs. In case you were wondering uh, programs like uh, program Billy's baby <laughs> where would my son go oh there he is he, whew, he's safe <sighs> I am teaching on Scientology but anyway so <laughs> <you> know, programs: <laughs> humanist humiliation uh, beetle cleanup horn Normandy owl Quaker Snow White that's the bulk of what we're talking about uh, Taco less uh, Troy and project Witch. I'll give you a little tease on that one one but let me just share with you on all these projects because there's you I you can't even believe the tactics, I give you a little tease of Paulette Cooper. I gave you a little bit of the audacity of them going into the U.S. government and even the Interpol amongst other countries. But you can't even believe what they did going after individuals. You got to tease over with Paulette. But listen to all the different angles. Anybody, and I mean anybody, who went against them, here comes another operation. And each one had its own Code word. Uh, they went after the assistant to U.S. attorney. Uh, they spread rumor again to undermine the security of our own government so you can't trust it. They went after individual uh, reporters. Uh, they they uh, went after and to attack the U.S. Department of Justice, the Drug uh, Enforcement uh, Administration. They, one was called Operation China Shop. That was to take over a newspaper, okay, uh, in there. Uh, uh, Operation Cutthroat was against the Better Business Bureau. Right Uh, to do that. Individual uh, authors uh, against senators. They went after that was Devil's wop. Operation Fickle was uh, going after the editor and the president of another newspaper. Listen to listen to this. Now I was joking about ISIS. You know, Muslims. One of the big thing is you know don't you you know apparently don't you you can't say nothing against Islam. And whatever you do, don't you dare make a cartoon that makes light of Muhammad. I've heard about all that, right? And people go, oh. Listen to what Scientology is. This is their Operation Funny Bone. It went after a cartoonist. Get it? Funny Bone, right? Against a syndicated newspaper cartoonist, a guy named Jim Berry, who penned a cartoon that poked uh, fun at Scientology, and he got their wrath. Operation Hydra was to rid libraries across the United States of books and other literature that showed Scientology in a bad light. One, uh, Operation Italian Fog, that was to smear uh, a mayor. Uh, another one, listen, this is called Operation Juicy Clanger. Listen to this. Nobody was immune. They targeted tax records of prominent politicians, celebrities like, quote, Frank Sinatra, Doris Day, as well as, listen to this, as attempting to steal John Wayne's tax records. That ain't funny, Pilgrim. That's some audacity, man. You're messing with Dwayne. Right? I'll tell you what. And again, they're going after the IRS. Again, they, they went after the American Medical Association. They went after uh, individual attorneys. They went after state representatives, IRS, the IRS officials. They went against mental health institutions. Uh, of course, ex-scientologists. Anybody want to speak out? The director of the World Health Organization they went after. Uh, the American Cancer Society. The deputy attorney general. The California Attorney's Office. Listen, I'll just give you this one. This guy, listen. He, listen to how they tried to set him up. Right? This is the California Attorney's General Office. Talk about, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so they recruited a quote woman that is, was obviously pregnant and was a good actress. She walks into the Attorney General's office in Sacramento and says in so many words, I told Larry I wouldn't do this, but he gave me no choice. Right? I don't care about his career anymore. I mean, look at me and she's pregnant. Right? right? Uh, I'll go to the press even if it ruins my family's uh, reputation. I won't have an abortion. And then she leaves, and nobody's gonna help me anyway, right? Then they recruited a male who's acting like her dad over the phone and saying he's the father of this pregnant girl that came in and made the big scene. Quote, my daughter came into your office yesterday, the pregnant girl. I don't know what you people said about her, but she's terrified, and now she's talking of suicide. And the guy's name is Larry Tapper, so they're going directly after this guy, it's all a setup. And he says, you can only protect him so long, you're gonna have another Watergate, right? Then they recruit another female. And this female was to go there in the area of uh, uh, Sacramento and find out what the nun's habits were wearing at that time. So she was going there to uh, dress up as a nun. She was going into the attorney general's office and a photographer would just happen to be there Okay, and overhear her question that uh, she was making a complaint against this Tapper guy, and then they would uh, have that all recorded with a, just happened to have a photographer there, uh, with a nun complaining about this guy and his behavior. It was going to be sent to the newspapers with something like, quote, mysterious nun claims prejudice at the uh, AG's office, okay, and et cetera, et cetera. That's the kind of stuff that they were doing against individuals. And I, I'm telling you, I am blown through this. There's, you, you won't do your own research. I, and, and, for, and, and we're supposed to trust you. But again, L. Ron Hubbard's got people so twisted. They think like the guy we saw last time on that video, we have to do this because we're here to save the planet. And there's a conspiracy against us. And we got to do whatever it is, even if it appears illegal, it is illegal to break through, to keep Scientology moving forward. Can you believe that? Okay, uh, and again, I don't have type, Operation Sore Throat, that was the American Medical Association, get it? Ha, 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 okay, I guess there was that. Operation Yellow was to discredit any critic, making them look to be like, quote, fascists or bigots, uh, things of that nature, go against individual people, individual families, and things of that nature. Uh, they also had a program, this was order number 283, that was ordered to infiltrate the United Nations. There's no place these guys would not Go Okay, and again, he went into uh, the UK, into Interpol. He even went into the Royal Navy over in British there, even in Scotland Yard. They're going to find any file on anybody that says anything. I'm not making this up against him. And again, he gets away with it. He used code names. He had people of the setup. whole time he was in charge, but they couldn't pin it on the guy, right? Now, so basically, this is why he's really on the lamb. On the boats, but he's really on the lamb. Even when he makes it to land, wherever I wrote that, I can't even find it anymore. Uh, But he's on the uh, the lamb on the land, right? So he's bounced around the Washington D.C., California, whatever. So during this time, this is when he's finally he's on the lamb, and they want to spiritualize. Oh, he's 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 just trying to get some privacy so he can write more books and encourage us more in Scientology and unlock these new levels. No, he's not. He's on the lamb. But what he did do though, and this is where he finally. Because he's traveling around in this trailer, man, escaping. He writes a couple books that became very popular. I'll get to that in a second. But basically, uh, he's on the lamb. He's going around uh, with all this stuff in, in the 80s. He, he takes off with a couple people called messengers. Basically, he had the people around him They called messengers that he trusted and stuff. Two of them that he's, he's cruising around the Pacific uh, Northwest in this recreational vehicle. Uh, they're bouncing around from apartments in different places, Newport Beach to L.A. Uh, but he did use this to write uh, two uh, major works of science fiction, okay? Now, the first one is called Battlefield Earth, if you ever heard of that, okay? Uh, the one on the left there is the original cover. I think it came out in 1982. I actually read that twice. but uh, It's sad to say it's actually a pretty good book. If you're into science fiction, of course, that was before I got saved. My dad and I and brother were involved in a science fiction book club. Actually, pretty good book. That's more the modern uh, 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 cover that they have today. Uh, But he also wrote a huge volume of science fiction books. That's just the first one on the left. It's uh, Mission Earth. It's 10 volumes. And these are big books. Battlefield Earth was like, it was just over 1,000 pages. Paperback, huge books. This guy could write. I'll give it to him. He can make up a story. I'll give it to him. Again, wait till you hear his story about how we got here. That's a science fiction story, okay? <laughs> but he made up a religion combined it with a cult. So he did have that skill set, okay, with that as well. Now, what's interesting is that, you know, it's a bestseller. It's going to be a movie. Well, uh, eventually it did become a movie. I'll get to that in a second. But basically this battlefield Earth, uh, the premise was there's these bad aliens that came, took over planet Earth, and they were called the Cyclos. Bad people. And humanity was hunted down to hardly anybody was left. There's only a faithful few few in the dots here. And well, this bad cyclo guy took uh, this Johnny guy, one of the humans left, and he, he basically, and I quote, he submits him to a learning machine. And his IQ gets really big. What's that sound like? Popcans, popcans, right? <laughs> yeah. So I don't have time to get into it, but even people with the movie and with his books, they say there's Scientology kind of stuff woven into it as well. So basically, I don't have time to get into the premise, what happens with Johnny and Terrell and all that stuff and all that stuff. But basically, what I want to get to, it's not just a huge paper bag, okay? But uh, it was on the New York Times bestsellers uh, list, and it sold 150,000 copies, lickety split, half one and a half million, and, and, and it went big. But was it because there was such a great interest in it? Well, not long afterwards, stories emerged of Scientology's uh, uh, book buying campaign mounted uh, uh, to ensure that the book would become a bestseller. And here's what they did. Bookstore chains, including Walden Books, cited examples of Scientologists repeatedly going into stores and buying armfuls of the books at a time. Several bookstores reported that shipments of the book arrived with the store's own price tags already fixed to them, even before they were unpacked from the shipping boxes, suggesting that the copies were being recycled. They just went and bought as many as they can, came back and sold them back to the bookstore. Still had the price tag on it, right? That's all they were doing just to generate the numbers. So it looked like it's a runaway bestseller, right? Again, chicanery, again, money. Two Scientology organizations bought a total of 30,000 copies of Battlefield Earth. 30,000, right? At a discount directly from the publisher just to give them out to other Scientology members. And uh, the individual members were told to get them out too. So was it really easy because it's so good? I actually, and I'm not, I'm not promoting this, but back in the day with science fiction, that was a pretty good science fiction story. I'll give them that. But was it a runaway bestseller because it was so awesome? Nah, that's debatable, okay? But then, and I remember even on that picture back in the day, okay, uh, it's, you can see the little, little starburst thing? He said, it's gonna become a, a new movie. That was 82, and I remember that going, wow, this is gonna be a cool science fiction movie, man, whenever they make it, whatever. Well, it took quite some time. In fact, uh, it took until about the year 2000, okay? And it came out with this movie and uh, called Battlefield Earth, okay? Now, let me share with you the trailer. You might have recognized this, okay? But you may not realize this is a Scientology movie, okay? And the one who starred in it was John Travolta, right? Now, originally, as the story goes, he wanted to be the Johnny guy, the good character, the only human left, one of the few humans left. And who took on Terrell and the Cyclos and all this stuff. Well, by the time they finally got around, because that was 1982, now it's 2000, he's not some young strapping dude no more. So he had to play an alien. He had to play a cyclo. But this is the trailer of Battlefield Earth. This is based on L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology's book. Most people have no idea. Let's take a look.
2: soldiers and all their advanced technology could only put up a measly nine-minute fight, which is why man is an endangered species. There's nothing that will help you. Once we finish mining out this miserable planet, let's do the universe a favor.
0: Let's exterminate a lot of them.
2: We don't take back our planet. The last of humanity becomes extinct.
1: one chance and fought
0: (laughs) well john travolta's not laughing anymore after that movie came out because it was one of the biggest flops ever probably gave howard the duck a run for its money uh the 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 movie cost 73 million dollars it only brought in 29 okay huge major flop Big time flop. In fact, Travolta was not only a co-producer, but he contributed not millions singular, millions plural of his own money into that thing. Because he won, you know, Dianetics, he's a Scientologist. He wants this thing, you know, to help. the. was In fact, it was so bad, it received a total of eight golden raspberry awards. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, listen to this. And in 2001, it was voted the worst picture Worst director. Worst screenplay. Worst actor. Worst supporting actor. Worst supporting actress. Worst screen couple. 2005, it was voted the worst drama of of 25 years. And in 2010, it was considered the worst picture of the decade. Right? So, (laughs) he's not laughing now. But anyway, so with all due respect. Now, get on top of this, this tells you what this guy was. He's so in himself, right? Hubbard, right? He's just the guy. He's, you know, whatever. He actually wrote a music soundtrack for the books, Now that's thinking like outside the box, and, and okay, and, and, and he produced it, and they're still in Scientology, and they got him in their secret vault, because everything's saved from LRH, right, we haven't got to the vault yet, but he, he produced a soundtrack called Space Jazz, okay, and apparently, <laughs> apparently, you're supposed to listen to this, I don't know, while you're reading the book or something, now, I Do not say I don't love you because I do. And this is going to be proof positive because there's a total of 13 tracks. I'm going to share you only one third of one track to spare you (laughs) because I love you. But I'm going to share with you the track called Wind Splitter. Now, remember, you're supposed to listen to this while you read this amazing science fiction book. It's called Wind Splitter. I renamed it Ear Splitter. But you make your own decision Here's a little taste of what he whipped up. Ready? Here we go. Wind splitter. <clears throat> Come on, boy.
2: Let's see you dance. <laughs>
0: Turn to somebody and say, Pastor Billy loves us because he shut the thing off. Yes, I do. I care about you. That's all. Dude, I do. hey, man, my ears are still, ooh, wow. Okay, but again, he wrote a soundtrack, and that's, ooh, yippee, right? And it was just like the movie. It was so bad. I'm not joking it up. Listen, there's an annual, apparently there's a, a, a worst record competition that they hold annually in New Jersey. And do you know what they give out to the first prize recipient? A copy of Space Jazz! I'm not making it up. Oh, it's just absolutely crazy. So basically, so he's on the lamb. They're floating around. They're going through all this stuff. He did produce these books and that stuff, right? He's 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 cruising around. He lands in Creston, California, but he's kind of still on the lamb. He's in secrecy and hiding and stuff, and he's he's researching and writing. he's he's spending millions of dollars uh, uh, remodeling a ranch house, which was virtually uninhabited, it's just blown through the cash and all that stuff. In fact, it was uh, Forbes magazine estimated that at Listen, $200 million was gathered in Hubbard's name through 1982. And then even as recent as 1985, the IRS notified Scientology that it was considering indicting Hubbard for tax fraud. 1985. After all that other stuff was still going on, and then even as recent as 1985, the IRS says, We're gonna, you're under investigation. But eight. A- years later, all of a sudden, they get their IRS tax status. How in the world is that possible? Now do you see why I think somebody either threatened or had some file or something on somebody or all that and above? You got to be kidding me, all right? Now basically, so he, he, he suffers ill health. Remember in Jude, your, your end's not going to be good, and that's exactly what we see. Hubbard uh, suffered uh, further ill health uh, oh, by the way, after his wife was jailed, he never saw her again. Okay? Uh, but he suffered uh, health, uh, bad health uh, during all this time. He suffered a stroke in January 17, 1986. He died a week later. His body was cremated. His ashes were scattered. And guess who wrote the eulogy? No, not me. I wasn't there. Uh, okay, guess. I'll give you a piece of gum later for that writing. Uh No, it's Hubbard. He even writes that. All right? But basically... He dies. Now what are you going to do? This is the guy. This is the leader. This is the guru. This is the whole head cheese, right? Well, Scientologists spun his death into that. He became so clear. So he reached so many levels. He didn't die. He achieved such a high state that he just doesn't need his body anymore. I'm not making this up. This is from the new guy that took over. This is the video, this is the actual announcement of Hubbard's death to the Scientology. Let's take a look at how they spun it. Watch this.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Hello. My name is David Miscavige, and I'm very happy that you could all make it to this important briefing this evening. Okay, how about now? In 1980, LRH moved off the lines so that he could continue his writings and researches without any distractions. For many years, Ron had said that if he were given the time and if others wore their hats and did their jobs running and expanding the church, he would be able to concentrate on and complete all of his researches into the upper OT levels so that the bridge would be laid out in full for us all. Over the past six years, LRH has indeed been intensively researching the upper bands of OT. You are already enjoying the fruits of some of these researches, most notably solo knots. And more recently, you heard in Ron's journal 39 that he had fully written up OT-8, which would be released at the appropriate time by international management. As you may have surmised, LRH has completed many levels beyond that. Approximately two weeks ago, he completed all of his researches he had set out to do. He has now moved on to his next OT, level of OT research. This level is beyond anything any one of us ever imagined. This level is in fact done in an exterior state, meaning that it is done completely exterior from the body. At this level of OT, the body is nothing more than an impediment and encumbrance to any further gain as an OT. Thus, thus, at 2,000 hours Friday, the 24th of January, AD 36, L. Ron Hubbard discarded the body he had used in this lifetime for 74 years, 10 months, and 11 days. The body he had used to facilitate his existence in this mess universe had ceased to be useful, and in fact, had become an impediment to the work he now must do outside of its confines. We felt it was important as Scientologists that you were the first to become aware of this fact. I can understand that many of you are probably experiencing the effects of a secondary. However, it is important that you can put this into the proper perspective. L.H. defines a body in the Tech Dictionary as an identifying form or non-identifying form to facilitate the control of, the communication of, and with, and the havingness of the thetan in his existence in the messed universe. The body is a physical object, it is not the being himself. The being we knew as L. Ron Hubbard still exists. However, the body he had could no longer serve his purposes. This decision was one made at complete cause by L. Ron Hubbard. Although you may feel grief, understand that he did not and does not now. He has simply moved on to his next step. Rach has said, if I have fought for a quarter of a century, most of it alone, to keep this work from serving to uphold the enslavers of man, to keep it free from some destructive pitch or slant, then you certainly can carry that motif a little further. He goes on to say, I'll not always be here on guard. The stars twinkle in the Milky Way and the wind sighs for songs across the empty fields of a planet, a galaxy away. As Scientologists, we know more than anyone that we are not bodies. We have bodies, and our current existences in our current bodies are but one in a million that we have lived and will live. LRH, in fact, used this lifetime in the body we knew to accomplish what no man has ever accomplished. He unlocked the mysteries of life and gave us the tools so that we could free ourselves and our fellow man. L. Ron Hubbard completed everything he set out to do, and more, the fact that he causatively and willingly discarded the body after it was no longer useful to him signifies his ultimate success, the conquest of life that he embarked upon half a century ago.
0: About a spin job. (laughs) Wow. He became so spiritual, so enlightened, he didn't need his body anymore. And he's continuing his existence in a new OT. Yeah, the OT called hell, with all due respect. Unless he cried out to Jesus Christ, taking his last breath, or somewhere there at the end, I don't know. But he went to hell, right? But that's how, in fact, it didn't end at all like that. They made it sound like he was just, oh, he just, uh." not at all. He basically ended like Howard Hughes. Drug addict, long fingernail. Here's what really happened with Elron Ron Hubbard's death. Let's take a look.
2: He was disappearing down, down, down into this little strange world of his that he had created. And the, the irony of this is this is a man that was promulgating and telling the world that with my technology and ideas you can get bigger and bigger and bigger and yet he was shrinking down until finally he was hiding. You know, it was like he was. He tried to be bigger than life, but he just wasn't. He tried to be flustery and big and powerful, but if you look, just stepped and observed, you could see that he had fear about everything. And finally the fear came down to dust particles little teeny dust particles. He had phobias about dust. He had phobias about uh, smells. He had phobias about sounds. So he would hear sounds that weren't there. He would scream at the sound technician and uh, he would see things that weren't there and he would scream at the people who were fir- framing the shot. And he would smell smells that weren't there and he'd have people rinse his clothing some 13 or 15 or however many times. Secrecy has veiled his final years. But one man, Robert Vaughan Young, who was then a Scientology public relations officer, was later given a description of Hubbard by one of his guardians. This, and evidence from Hubbard's autopsy report, paint a sad picture. He had grown a beard, he had grown his long hair, the nails were long, very much in the, in the same problem as uh, they found out with Howard Hughes, unkempt nails. Um, uh, neighbors, uh, there was a neighbor that walked in on him one day, and he'd become very frightened and suddenly scurried out of the barn. He was frightened to meet people. He was, he was terrified of meeting any new people. On January the 24th, 1986, Ron Hubbard died. The Church of Scientology said he'd simply quit his body to continue his work elsewhere. Him dying suddenly made him very mortal. And the last thing we could have is to have Hubbard be mortal. So a story had to be designed. And the story is that he went off to research the next level. And what's amazing is how the Scientologists bought this With, without any questioning. They, they bought it.
0: They bought it. And what was it, Ron? Line so you Seeker reeled them right in, and they're still promoting it today. The guy died not in very good conditions. My guess is with hearing sounds, smells, fear, dude, you're, you're going insane. You're, pro- you're getting, Remember what's his background? Involved with demons, the occult, and stuff of that nature. They were taking him down, right? Dragging him straight into hell, so to speak. Would well, that be my theory? But basically when he goes, and this is what we're going to get into, Lord willing, next time. The Sea Org, his military, does a coup, kicks the, his wife out and uh, takes over. And guess who takes over as the new young buck? The guy you saw make the death announcement, Mr. McEvich. And he's still ruling and reigning today. We'll get into that one, Lord willing, next time. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now to make matters worse we don't even want to admit this problem that we have that we're separated from God not only now but we're going to be separated from him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So once again out of love God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, The the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, How many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not Use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the only name the Bible says under heaven, that men might be saved? We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And You might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart, man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more, the Bible says, okay, you think you're so good, Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of 10 of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You'll be forced to admit what he already knows. Hey God, let me in. Let me in. I'm I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer an adulterer and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven. In that state, you're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 14 verse 6, he says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins against him. And you could actually see this analogy working in the natural, in the normal world. We see this actually in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and and, and the the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail. You are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, And we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail. But believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extends to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, all of it, even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today, because tomorrow, may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.